Okay, well, last year, you may remember when we were back together in the church building, we learned a lot about following Jesus from a little book in the Bible called James. James was a leader in the very first church ever, and some of his talks were written up, and we've got them in the Bible. We may have heard some from today. Because James wants people to know and love Jesus to live well. And to do that, he tells us to pray for each other, because prayers can be powerful and effective. Prayer can make a difference. And then he talks about Elijah, someone in the Bible who James says was just like us. And Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain in the land of Israel for three and a half years. And he prayed, and it rained again. It's a great story. And we'll be thinking about it over the next few weeks. If you'd like to, you can read it or get someone else to read it to you. It's in the Old Testament in 1 Kings from the end of chapter 16 on through 17, 18 and 19. It's a very exciting story. Now, the Bible says Elijah was just like us and he prayed and we can pray. Jesus prayed, didn't he? He prayed a lot in different ways. And once when his pra- he was praying, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I think they were kind of saying, Lord, show us to pray like you do. So Jesus said to them, well, look, this is what you can do. You can start like this. And he told them where to start. And he said, you can pray this. He said, you can say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's a picture to remind us when we're praying that we're praying to a God in heaven, God who's outside of our kind of existence, but, but is connected to us, is over us. We have a father in heaven. And then he goes on to say, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's a picture of of the earth, or it could be the earth. And it reminds us that that we're asking for God that he can work on the earth in our lives where we live. And then Jesus said, go on to pray, give us today our daily bread. Here's a picture of bread. Bread is all that we need. And he says that we can ask God for all that we need. And then he goes on to say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then here's a picture of our hearts, because our hearts need to be right with God. Our sins need to be forgiven and we need to be right with each other as well, don't we? And then the prayer Jesus taught them goes on to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here's a picture of a a road, a path that we want to be led along the right kind of paths. And then the prayer ends with these words for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours. And here's a picture of of the crown, because God is king over everything and he can do what we're asking now and forever. Amen. That's it. That's a prayer we can say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. And that's it. It's a prayer we can say. We can learn it. It's actually full of kind of doorways into other things we can pray about. So your activity today is to, to get inside this prayer, to learn it. And the parents or whoever you're living with can can help with that as well. Maybe they could learn it too if they don't know it already. And Suzanne is going to tell us a bit more later.
Do you remember how Jesus came into people's lives when he was here on earth? Remember the story of Levi or Matthew? He was just there in the office one day and Jesus showed up, didn't have any tax forms, just said to him, follow me. It was the same for the fishermen on the beach. Jesus was just there, follow me, he said. Get up, he said, come with me now. It wasn't that he was calling them just to change their beliefs, but to enter a new kind of life with him completely. And after the resurrection, he got the disciples ready to carry it all on without him. Do you remember he told them to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe or to obey all that he commanded them? It's in Matthew 28. They were to get into a way of life these disciples, a way of life where Jesus' words and Jesus' lordship shaped what they did, how they lived. And as the New Testament goes on and we meet the Apostle Paul who shared the good news with so many people and was responsible for the life of of different church communities, so he talks to them in his letters in the Bible about living Jesus' way. And he talks about it as like walking. In Romans 6 he says we walk in newness of life. In Romans 8 and Galatians 5, he talks about walking in the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And in Colossians uh, 3, he says, as you, actually 2, he says, as you receive Jesus as Lord, walk in him. And I like this phrase, walk, because it means to live a certain way. That's why the NIV translates it, translates it, live in him, and that's fine. But walking has kind of the idea behind it, which is, the idea of, an, of a journey, an active, intentional rhythm of following Jesus, of moving with Jesus. Because living a Christian life is walking with Jesus, living with him, living with God. That's why we called this series Living with God. And continuing that life, whatever happens. And when Jesus started calling people to follow him, do you remember he told them to Deny yourselves, he said, take up the cross. And what he was saying is that this way of living would involve going somewhere in a certain way with him. And that includes what we do with our bodies. We're whole people, aren't we? We live in bodies. And following Jesus is going to involve everything we do with our bodies. It's about actions. As James tells us, faith without actions is nothing, it's dead. There's a life to be lived, a road to walk on as we go with Jesus. And one of the things we do as people who live in bodies is pray. We use words to talk to God. That's why prayer out loud is good, because prayer is different to just thinking. So that's why it's good to write it down if, if you don't like to speak out loud. You can read it afterwards. Prayer is where we start as Christians. We're called to repent towards God. The Bible says we turn towards God. We tell him something. We tell him that we're sorry. We tell him that we need his uh, forgiveness and his salvation. We thank him that Jesus died on the cross and we ask him to come into our lives. We start again with him. We tell him those things. That's how we start in prayer. And that's how we carry on. And Jesus once told his disciples that He wanted to see a really big and radical change in their lives. He said, look, instead of living lives where all you're worried about is what you have or what you don't have or where you're going to get your clothes from and all that kind of thing, there's another way of of living 
not doing that, not seeking those things. But instead, he said, you can seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. And then the other things would be kind of added in afterwards. Turning towards God, consciously wanting to find ways to live with him. Seeking God's kingdom and righteousness is all about living with God. And that's what Jesus tells us to do, to put ourselves in that way of living. So how are we to do that? Well, the Apostle Paul, in his writings, the Bible tells us we can follow the example of others. Paul told people to follow his example. He said he's following Jesus. Actually, a couple of times he uses the word imitate. He said, imitate me because I'm imitating Jesus. And disciple, sorry, disciples are those who observe what Jesus says, who do it. Another time, Paul in 1 Timothy 4 says this, he says, train yourself to be godly. And that word for training is like exercise. It's uh, one translator translates it, go to God's gym, training to be godly. And Paul is comparing it with, with training for sport because he goes on in that verse to say, Bodily exercise is really good, but exercising and training for godliness is even better because it's not just good for this life, but for the life to come as well. You can read that in 1 Timothy 4. So what do we do to live this way? It does involve action, deciding to do something, to live in a certain way. Romans 12 verse 1 in the Bible tells us to give ourselves, to offer ourselves, our bodies, the totality of our human experience. We're to offer them to God like sacrifices in worship. Paul, again, talks about how he trained his body. Just so Jesus called people who follow him to deny himself. Now, we tend to think, some people say, and I think I agree with them, we tend to think that Jesus and Paul, where they're exceptional, we could be nothing like them. I mean, this is Jesus, this is Paul. How could we be like them? But actually, they tell us to follow them, to be like them. And James, as we saw, as we read, tells us to be like Elijah. Elijah, says James, is someone who was just like us. Hard to believe, maybe, if you know the story of Elijah, but that's what James says. He was just like us. But he prayed, and it was powerful. Jesus prayed. Paul prayed. Prayer is one sure way of seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness. Seeking God's kingdom. Actually, the kingdom is mentioned twice, isn't it? In that prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, once at the beginning and once at the end. So as we look at what Jesus teaches and what Jesus does, as we see how Paul lived, as we look at the life of Elijah and others too, we see them seeking God by doing things, or not doing things sometimes, but it involves the whole of their life. They live a certain way. And as they live that way, as they put themselves in God's way, they find everything else joyfully fits into place. Doesn't mean that it's easy, but it is joyful. So we see them taking a simpler approach to living. They find time to be alone with God. The word, scripture, gets right inside their hearts. They meditate and chew it over. They linger on it. They fast, they go without food sometimes, so they can pray. They serve others, they submit to God, and they submit to others. They're open when they fail, they confess their faults, 
They don't hide away from trying to be something else from God or from other people. That's how they do it. That's how they get into living with God, by doing these things. And these things, some people have called spiritual disciplines. You may have heard of them. Uh, We're calling them, for the purpose of this, ways of living with God. They're like training exercises, learning, doing, enjoying the life of heaven on earth with us. We can only look at them in a limited way. We've only got a certain amount of time. But I'm hoping that there'll be a Zoom get-together each week where if you want to, you can get together with others. I'm hoping we'll have like a, a panel of people a bit more experienced in some of these things who'll be able to talk about their experiences. So look out for that Zoom. Uh, it'll be on the screen if I've set it up by the time uh, this is recorded uh, and put together. Uh, or there'll be an email to everyone in the church about that. So today then, we're thinking about prayer and we're following James's advice and learning what we can about prayer from the life of Elijah in the Old Testament. We read about him in 1 Kings chapter 17 to start with. And you've already looked at them and we've seen Elijah at prayer three times in these passages. And actually the third one follows on from another prayer incident too, but that's part of an account we'll look at in a couple of weeks time. So let's see then what we can learn from Elijah, what we can learn about Elijah. See, Elijah was someone who lived with God, actually pretty much on his own. And maybe some of us need to learn about how to live with God on our own. Because he was in Israel at a time when when the people had turned their backs on the Lord. Ahab was the king, actually the previous chapter tells us he was just about the worst king they'd ever had pretty much in Israel. He married this woman called Jezebel who uh, was from one of the other kingdoms to the north. She brought all her gods with her. She was very powerful. Actually, we'll meet her later in the story. Um, And she was kind of in control, and she brought in all these priests and others, and, and they set up false gods all over Israel, and everyone was enthusiastically joining in the worship of these actual gods related to sex. No wonder they were so popular. Uh, and, and, and they were forgetting the Lord completely and disobeying him. And that's where Elijah is in the story. And James tells us that Elijah prays for there to be no rain. And we don't read this in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, but there is a clue. It says here that as the Lord lives, whom I serve, says Elijah, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except of my word. Basically, not just no rain, no moisture. It's going to be a pretty dry time. Uh, it's kind of supernatural. Elijah says this is going to happen. So where does the prayer come from? Well, it comes uh, really because there's, there's a clue. Because this in the NIV is translated from the original to give us the meaning, but it's an idiom. Because what Elijah actually says is that prayer is standing before God. He says, the Lord before whom I stand. It's kind of the NIV translates that because servants stood before their masters to do things. And so he says, the NIV translates it, the Lord before whom I, whom I serve, rather. But you see, there's something more than that. Elijah has stood before God. That's where his prayer life is, and it's been going on for a while. That's where the actual prayer about rain comes from. He says, the Lord lives, the Lord uh, of Israel lives, and I've been standing before this living God. I know this living God. I've got to know him. I've been kind of with him in his presence for a long time. And Elijah's prayer has passionately kind of bubbling up for God's glory. 
And it's going to be really key because it's going to be the way God will use him to bring Israel back. So for us then, as we pray, do we just know that prayer that waits and seeks, that kind of stands before the Lord, metaphorically, that we discover who God really is? And and praying can be a way of life, an orientation towards the Lord, bringing the Lord into every moment if we can. That's a way to live. Elijah is so passionate about the Lord, he then gets moved to strong action. But that's been brewing in his heart as he stood before the Lord, kind of in his kind of personal walk with God for a long time. Have you ever carried a prayer like that? That you've just kind of come out of just being with God? Think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus' life is what? Three years of serving, teaching, ministry, dying, resurrection going back to heaven, is it? Well, it's what we know about, but what was he doing before then, before all of that happened? He's living before his father. He's walking with God. He's learning the Old Testament scriptures. Why do you think he was quoting them all the time? What was he doing, age 12? He's aware of his father. Something's going on before, and I'm sure something like that was happening in Elijah's life, and And that way of living and praying can be ours too. So prayer is not just about saying prayers. There's a life to live standing before God. Well, how can we do that? Well, we need to start somewhere. I can tell you my story. Um, When I was a teenager, I suppose about 16 maybe, or a bit less, maybe more, I can't really remember the exact date, I started this. And I came across a little booklet called Seven Minutes with God. And actually, you can still get it. I, I googled it, and it's a PDF online. It's produced now by the Navigators. And it just gave you a way of spending time with God. It explained what that was, how you did it, how you could pray and just read the Bible. And, you know, it was so helpful. I just started like that. And there are elements, things that I learned about how to pray and how to be with God from that little booklet, that uh, that now it's an A4 sheet, PDF it, download it, read it, try it out. It helped me no end. And it's been part, or what I learned there has been part of my life ever since, and probably hundreds of thousands of other people too. So there's this life of standing before God, of prayer as living with God, bringing God into life. And we see Elijah in that And then we go on to find Elijah in another place. We see him confronted with someone else's need. And God has provided for Elijah in the famine, and you'll hear about that next week. And he ends up living with a single parent family, a widow and her son. The son gets sick and dies, and Elijah prays for him and his life returns. Here's another kind of focus for praying, where prayer is seeking God for other people. It's another aspect. It's plain enough. Elijah prays for this desperate situation. Why does he pray? What shapes his prayers? Well, he's obviously concerned for the boy and his mother. But more than that the the boy is healed, there's this thing that the mother thinks God's judged them because of her sin. and, And she and Elijah, as he prays, says, Lord, I want you to hear my prayer because I want these people to know you as you really are. They're actually not part of Israel. They're living in Jezebel's country. Again, that's another story. Find out more about that next week. But Elijah wants these people, although they're in need, he sees this other need that they might know God well. 
And there's this passion in praying for others. Yeah, pray for their healing. Pray for the things they're asking you to do. Pray for the neighbour who wants you to pray for them. It's a good thing to do. I've done it myself. But also pray that through that, they'll come to know the Lord and maybe be bold enough, which sometimes I haven't done, to be bold enough to say, I want you, God, to do this for you so that you know what he's really like, that you know him. And Elijah has to keep praying. Three times he prays and the, and the boy's life returns. Let's get that bigger perspective as we pray for people, that they might know what the Lord is like, that not just that the need is met, but that they'll meet the Lord behind the one who answers the prayer. And then there's another way we see in the third example of Elijah's prayer in our passages, is that he prays for God's glory. He'd already prayed for fire, that's another story, and we'll come to that. Now he prays for, uh, for rain. And the rain coming marks the end of God's judgment as God's people begin to turn back towards him. And there will be food because the rain is coming. That's why I think he says to Ahab, Ahab, you can go and eat and drink now because rain is coming. I don't know whether Ahab was a bit oversensitive or people didn't eat and drink in public because it was a famine or what there was about. But Elijah seems to say, Ahab, you can eat and drink because rain is on the way. And Elijah, he doesn't eat, but he prays. And seven times he prays. He sits and he holds his head in his hands and he's got this servant with him and Keep sending the servant back. Is there Are there any clouds yet? No, he prays again. Are there any clouds yet? And seven times, and then there's a cloud. He says, there's a small cloud. It's only about the size of a, a, a man's hand. And it grows. And the clouds fill the sky, and the rain eventually pours down. What's, Abraham, what's um, Elijah praying for? He's praying for God to return to his people. Sure, the people have seen in the confrontation with, with Baal, and you'll hear about that in two weeks' time, they've seen that the Lord is God. But now Elijah wants them to know that he is the Lord, their Lord. He has uh, purposes for them as a community. He's going to bless them. He's going to bring them out of judgment, out of drought, and that he is the faithful Lord. He's faithful. And as he prays, he has fellowship with others in prayer, like the servant. We can have fellowship with others as we pray. In fact, it's a really good thing to do, to pray with other people. He prays persistently seven times. Sometimes we have to just keep praying. We need to realise that prayer can be answered in one way. Only, I don't know, maybe uh, hours before, Elijah had prayed for fire and woof, it comes straight down. And the whole altar, like a flash of lightning, had been burnt up. This time, as rain comes, it's going to be a while. It's different. Prayer is different. God is sovereign. He works how he will. And prayer can be like that in our life. Sometimes there's an instant answer. Sometimes we pray on, we pray on with others. And it's like the clouds begin to build and we have to wait for the, the whole kind of sky to be full of rain as it comes. Of course, the, the clouds would have been starting as Elijah began to pray. He didn't know that until it could be seen as a man's hand on the horizon and then gradually it filled. And again, prayer, I think, can be like that sometimes. Not giving up is important. So those three examples of prayer from Elijah, do we pray like this? Do we stand before God? Live that prayer life? Do we pray for others? Can we learn that? It's not just so that they get things, but so that they know who the Lord really is. 
praying with others for God's faithfulness to be known, praying uh, persistently, knowing that the answer sometimes has to fill before it falls, patiently carrying on. Elijah prayed and we can pray. The prayer of a righteous person, James says, has powerful effects. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't know whether I'm a righteous person. Are we righteous people? Well, we know that if we know Jesus, if we've trusted our lives to him, he has made us righteous. We are righteous by what he has done. And we know too that we need to stay in the way of righteousness, that we confess our sin, and that sin and things that are wrong with us can come between us and God and the answers that come. So we we need to keep seeking that kingdom and keep looking for God's righteousness as we live. And prayer is part of that process. But as we seek God's righteousness, so prayer can be powerful and effective in our lives. So how do we start? Or how do we get back to praying? Well, how about trying the Lord's Prayer yourself? Learn it and use it. I've, I've been thinking a lot about it this week, as you can imagine. I've been repeating it a lot to myself. And actually Tuesday, someone called and I was having a conversation on the phone. It was a really tough issue they were facing and we talked and prayed about it before. And they said, could you pray before I hang up? And I said, yeah, well, sure. And it's really tough. I thought, well, I don't want to pray. And the words of the Lord's Prayer, the first few phrases came to me. And that, I prayed them and then prayed kind of out of them. It it just seemed to be um, right on the target. Um, I don't know that from them, but it seemed so to me. That's just one way of praying. Start small. Get that seven minutes with God uh, PDF and try it out for yourself if you've never tried that before. Or why not do deliberately little things like giving the day to the Lord as you start? Maybe part of you, as you brush your teeth, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm brushing my teeth. I want you to brush my life this day to be full uh, of, and I want my life to be full of you this day, you might say, as you fill your mouth with water or mouthwash or whatever it is. Your little ways of saying, God, be part of my life today. Just learn. Training. Start small. Small steps. That's how it is with training. Now, it's probably, um, you don't have to be a, an amazingly prophetically gifted person or detective to realise that I'm not an athlete. But I do um, swim, or I did swim in the swimming pool. Now, you know, when I started swimming a few years ago, me and Mary, we went together, and uh, I could manage nine lengths of our 15-metre pool, and I was absolutely finished, flat, flat out. You know, now, when I used to swim, I'd swim 50 lengths. That was my thing. How did I get there? By just gradually doing it more and more. And walking with Jesus is a bit like that. We start small, take small steps, and, you know, gradually you discover you're learning more and enjoying God's presence in all kinds of unexpected ways. Prayer, then. That's one of the ways that we learn to live with God. Do get in touch if you want to start with God and haven't done so yet. Give us an email. Or come and join in on our Zoom workshop later in the week uh, if you want to find out and look out for the details of that. Let's continue in our worship together.